and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I am your host, JR, and today we have a lot going on with some huge games this weekend. We have the Ohio State and Notre Dame game to preview and break down, and we are also going to break down the Penn State and Iowa game happening this weekend as well. Both are late night games, both are prime time. One is a blue bud matchup, the other is the is the whiteout. It's gonna be fantastic. We have so much to talk about in this episode, and we have the idea of conference relegation as well. But before we get into that, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest. We have Connor from the Inside the Nest podcast, his co-host, Danny, who is a Notre Dame fan. I apologize, Connor is an Iowa fan. And we have Johnny Bullet, who is an Ohio State fan, to break down these games with us today. We're going to start with Connor and have Connor plug their podcast and let you know where you can find him at on social media. Connor, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So you can find us. We are inside the nest. Uh, that's going to be the same thing on uh, Spotify. Uh, as far as Twitter and Instagram, that's where we're working with right now. We're we're hoping to expand here in the near future, kind of get stuff going on other platforms. But for right now on Twitter, you can find us at inside the nest zero. And on uh, Instagram, you can find us at inside the nest pod. So we are. Uh, yeah. We are hoping to expand, like I said, going forward, but right now that's where you can find us. All right. Awesome. Danny, you have any social media or anything you want to plug? No. Inside an S, baby. That's all you got to follow. <laughs> Sounds good. Johnny, you go ahead and let us know where you're at. Yeah, so uh, we're the Scarlet and Great podcast. Used to do uh, all the iTunes, uh, Spotify, everything, but we exclusively do YouTube now. Uh, we all, we'll bring the uh, audio back here at some point, uh, but um youtube.com slash go bucks and uh, again that's ohio state football with scarlet and great uh, you'll find me on twitter at scarlet great jl um if you find me you'll easily find my co-host shane larson and florida Corey. um and then uh instagram scarlet and great and that is basically it all right, very good. And it's like the in apostrophe in there, not Scarlet I N great, right? No, so we changed it for a little bit oh, of search okay. engine option optimization. This the logo's still kind of the Scarlet N, but we did Scarlet and Great because uh it's just easier for people to remember, I guess, to to search and such. <laughs> Very good. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, if you've been following the Big Ten Huddle for a while, you know that we are a podcast from Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. You can find all of your Big Ten media needs there. We have a podcast for every single football team, and we're working on every basketball team right now before basketball season starts. But if you have a football team you want to follow, that is your place to go. If you want to learn more about the Big Ten Huddle, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We're also on Rumble. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go there like and subscribe please and if you're listening on podcast give us a rating we would love and appreciate your feedback all right guys let's get into it we got a lot to break down here we've only got so much time and we'll try to fit it in as best as we can so ohio state versus notre dame happening this weekend it is at notre dame if you know this game last year it was pretty close closer than people expected but this year it is at 7 30 on nbc the ohio state is favored by three points that line has been going down since the start of the season notre dame has been creeping closer and closer ohio state is currently on a five game winning streak and 
Notre Dame has some has some players coming back. They have JT Bertrand. They have DJ Brown. They have Mitchell Evans coming back for this game. All key players who should play some kind of role, which is huge for Notre Dame. And Sam Hartman said on Monday that he's not injured. He is going to be perfectly fine for this game. So, Johnny, let's go to you first with this. What matchups do you think will be the most pivotal factor for who wins this game? I don't know about most pivotal uh, pivotal, excuse me, most pivotal matchup, but I know the most intriguing to me, and I'll be selfish and just say what I want to see the most, and I do think it will have a huge part of the game. Um, line, line of scrimmage usually determines the game, but that would just be boring if we all said, well, line of scrimmage, but you'd be right 100% of the time probably, but no, I'm going to go with Sam Hartman versus Jim Knowles. I think this is a, a different quarterback than Notre Dame had last year, that's for sure. Uh, I think he's a talented player. I think, um, you know, really one of the – I it, it's been the best uh, Notre, Dame quarter, a Notre Dame quarterback has looked in recent memory. And um, Jim Knowles, you know, he has shown a little bit of flashes of improvement over uh, the course of this year. But the Achilles heel last year was a talented passing attack um, or even just a competent passing attack in the Michigan game. Jim Knowles' defense uh, broke down and the players broke down sometimes when the scheme didn't hold up uh, or the scheme was fine, but the players broke down. So seeing that come to fruition, if uh, Sam Hartman has uh, a hard time against Jim Knowles, then I find I find a path to Irish victory um, probably to be pretty bleak. Uh, I know that they're going to want to run the ball. That's the identity identity of Notre Dame teams in the past, and Ohio State's going to want to run the ball. But if you can't run it and you can you, or you can't throw it at all and can only run it, then the run gets easy to stop. Um, that'd be a tough task. That'd be a tough task if Ohio State tries to just say we have to uh, have to run it on Notre Dame because we can't throw. That would be a tough task either way. So I'm most intrigued in that matchup. Can uh, Sam Hartman carve up uh, uh, Jim Knowles' defense, or has Jim Knowles finally arrived at what he is brought here to be? So yeah, um, I definitely agree with that one. That's going to be. That's going to be Sam Hartman's got to have a hell of a game. Um, for me, I want to say Benjamin Morrison versus Marvin Harrison. Benjamin Morrison's a stud. He's a top five cornerback in the nation, I'd say. Um, our past defense efficiency is number one in the nation through the first four games. So that's a good stat right there. But there's no stopping Marvin Harrison. The dude's a stud. But I'm not going to say that one. I'm going to say Tommy Eichenberg versus Audrey Estime. We need to get the we need to run the ball well. Estime has 500 yards this year already through four games. He's at over 100 every single game. We need to be able to break off big runs and open up that pass. So hopefully we can get Eichenberg out of there and Audrey Estime can get past them and whatnot. But he's your run stopper, so Estime has got to find a way to get past them. It's a tough one. As for me, I mean, I I don't have a whole lot of insight on the game here, but being on an outsider looking in, I can tell you firsthand my my outside on the game is I I follow Joe Alt's recruiting pretty 
pretty thoroughly, being that he was an Iowa guy. His dad went to Iowa. Uh, I know how talented he is, and he. I think whatever matchup is thrown in front of him is going to be the most pivotal point. The QB is going to be the biggest factor in this game, and whoever can stay upright is going to be huge. So if Joe Wall is facing Jack Sawyer, JTT, whoever it is, that's going to be the pivotal matchup for me as an outsider looking in. For sure, yeah. I think you guys all made great points there, and I think the Kyle McCord and Sam Hartman thing is super intriguing because you have on one hand Ryan Day who is just seems to be this quarterback guru right every quarterback is either a Heisman finalist or well Heisman finalist and first round pick or you know they they well they just don't have anybody else like that I mean those are all the quarterbacks that Ryan Day has had and then you have Marcus Freeman who's only ever had one quarterback other than Sam Hartman but the whole Notre Dame history not all of it but recently in Notre Dame history they haven't had the best quarterbacks that they've ever had they're not used to they're not used to having this right they've had a lot of guys in the past who have been really really good so it's interesting to come into this game seeing a Sam Hartman that kind of has the edge over Kyle McCord it'll be interesting to see that duel and what they can do. And I'm right there with you, Johnny. I think it's huge to see if Jim Knowles can finally get his his scheme and the players to mesh in the pass defense. So, all right, guys, you go ahead and give me your prediction for this game, your score prediction. How do you think it plays out? What do you think the final score is going to be? Danny, let's start with you. All right. Um, yeah, so first thing, Notre Dame, their defensive line hasn't looked fantastic. We have a guy coming back this week, Gabriel Rubio. Ohio State's got a pretty new offensive line. We need to get pressure. If we get pressure all game long, I think that we win this game 34-20 if we can get pressure. I think Sam Hartman is, I mean, he's probably the most experienced quarterback in the country. He can hit any pass. Um, And I also think that our wide receivers aren't getting enough credit right now. Um, None of them stat-wise are crazy, but Sam Hartman, if you look at the Stat sheet, he's throwing to nine receivers a game, and they're all pretty even on stat-wise. Um, and I don't even think that the playbook's fully open yet. I think Tobias Merriweather's going to have a great game, Chris Tyree. We have speed there now that we didn't last year. So I think that's a big difference. And as long as we can get pressure on McCord and that offensive line, I think that we're looking very good for this game. Hey, hot takes. I'm here for that. It's a hot take, but not really. Hey. I think Hartman – I think he's just got the juice. I'm going to follow suit there. I, I hate to be a, a Big Ten hater here, but I, I've been cripplingly impressed by Notre Dame and what they've done this year. I know that the the opposition hasn't been the the, the biggest or uh, you know anything that's going to overwhelm you, but what they've done is enough to tell me that being at home for this game is a, is a 21 to 17 victory at the minimum. Well, you kind of teed it up against me there. Um, I picked <laughs> Sorry, man. Hey, we don't, yeah. we're not haters. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's funny because I'm like probably the least Ohio State homer of uh, any an Ohio State coverage guy. I will say that uh, this year I'm trying to like grow up and be a little more mature and just like enjoy what talent you do have and the good things you do have. Um, but uh, I... And I'm so I'm usually pessimistic. I'm strangely optimistic in this one. Um, I think Ryan Day has shown all of about four plays on film 
Uh, he's ran the same plays over and over and over the first several games. Uh, so I think he's got plenty in his playbook. I think, uh, it, I, I just think Ohio State on offense has too many horses for anybody in the nation when they really cut it loose. You saw, you know, Georgia was a good, great defense last year. Ohio State just moved the ball down the field on them uh, pretty smoothly. Uh, people slept on Kyle McCord. He had to get his feet under him, but I think he looked great last game, albeit an inferior opponent, but that's, you know, some of the ball placement on some of these throws, um, Ryan day opening it up just a little bit. It was, it really showed me he was a five-star recruit. Like people forget that he was a five-star recruit who a lot of people were really excited for. Um, I think Notre Dame last year showed a lot of uh, defensive tendencies to just play a lot of cover two and high held defense to keep uh, everything in front of them, cover three, cover six, just soft coverage um, because they knew C.J. Stroud likes to push the ball down the field. Kyle McCord um, lets the game come from short to long. He likes to check down because new offensive line, you're going to play in that shell defense. He'll take the free four. He'll take the free six and move the ball. And then the big stuff opens up. I think that was the one thing CJ Stroud actually didn't do well was ever check down. I mean, sometimes it's like, man, just take the yards. You took a sack because you wouldn't take the yards. Kyle McCord is a positive forward guy. And um, yeah, I just think, you have three running backs that would start most places in the country. You have probably some people are saying the best two wide receivers in the country. And um, you have a very, very deep defense and secondary. I just think it's, um, you know, too many horses. Yeah, for sure. Ohio State definitely has recruited better. So you look at the talent level from from that range. But Ohio State also has a history the past two years of losing to inferior talent, right? I mean, you have Michigan who, you know, the narrative is that they've developed their players, yada, yada, yada. And I won't talk too long about that, Johnny. I know uh, we don't want to hear about that. But, uh, but I do think that there is something here about can Ryan Day really get the talent out of these guys and use them in such a way? And I think you make a great point, Johnny, that Ohio Ohio State really hasn't shown the whole playbook. Um, it's been but very vanilla. Very exactly, vanilla. Exactly. Exactly. Some of the mesh concepts that we've been used to seeing, we haven't seen as much. And I know some people were blaming that on Brian Hartline saying, oh, he came in here and now he's constructing a bad offense. I think anybody who thinks Brian Hartline is constructing the offense <laughs> is just lying yeah. to themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> This is Ryan Day's offense, and I, don't get me wrong, Brian Hartline, very good. Uh, but he's he's still learning how to be an offensive coordinator right now. Uh, if you ask me, I do think Notre Dame no, Notre Dame is a little bit underrated at the wide receiver position. I do think that they have some really good athletes. I think that once they get some co- a little bit more coaching, they're going to be even more solid. Not that they aren't already solid. Like I said, they're great athletes. They just need to work on some of that route running, in my opinion. But I think it's going to be a close game. I could see it being 24-17 to 17 Notre Dame. I could see it being 24-17 to 17 Ohio State. I think it's really going to come down to the end of the game and who can really outcoach the other team. Will Al Golden be able to take care of Ryan Day's defense? Will, will, will uh, Gerard, I think, what's his first name? Josh Gerard? Jared Is that Parker. right? Jared Parker. Jared. Oh, Gerard yeah, it's spelled weird. I, did, I thought the same thing when he got hired. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, Parker uh, can can. 
Jim Knowles stop the passing game that he's going to develop with Sam Hartman. So it's interesting, but I think we're in for a close game, and I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'll say Ohio State 24-17 just to help Johnny out. That way he's not on his own, not on his own here. So <laughs> Appreciate right. that. Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys, any more thoughts before we move on? I will say Notre Dame has one advantage no one's talking about in this game. I will tip the cap to them. It is their fifth game of the season. And, okay, it's only one game difference. Well, I always say, I have one saying in college football, game one lies. Game one lies. And it's not saying throw game one out the window every time. You know, in case point, last year Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Pretty good first game of the season. But... Notre Dame was really struggling, right? So it's like, what are you, just as good as Marshall? Notre Dame got better as the season went on, and then Ohio State kind of found and lost its way. So game one is weird. Game two, you're a little better. Game three, a little better. Game By the time you're game five, that's midseason form. So I think Notre Dame has had more reps to iron out the wrinkles than Ohio State has, and that is an advantage. Like, I'd rather play Notre Dame – week six, seven, or eight, instead of week three. Yeah, I think anybody who would say that Notre Dame was the same team against Marshall as they were against Clemson would just be lying to themselves, right? right. I mean, at the end of the day, that team looked much better. Uh, and yeah, just, That better. goes to coaching. That goes to coaching. Marcus Freeman's doing a great job there. Uh, he's recruiting very well, and he's really getting the most out of his guys. So that's awesome. All yeah. right. Oh, Danny, you got something? Yeah, one real quick. Um, okay. Just really quick. So Jared Parker, quick thing on him, too. Yeah. I have liked what he's been doing with the offense way more than Reese. First of all, you look at Reese and what he's doing now. Alabama's look like shit. You look at what Jared Parker's been doing. We are airing the football out, which doesn't usually – like, that's not Notre Dame. And he's – I know we have a better quarterback now, but Tommy Reese still isn't doing it at Bama, and that's – that team's wicked talented. Yeah, I think Tommy Reese will be looking for a job at the uh, end of the season. So I agree. <laughs> uh, it was almost like a blessing for Notre Dame. Might Day be looking for a him. job Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey. That's true, too. So, all right. Well, hey, let's make sure we get to this next game. We have Penn State versus Iowa. Connors, Hawkeyes going to the wideout. 3-0, and both teams, undefeated matchup in the Big Ten. Saturday uh, at 7.30 on CBS this game, the Penn State Nittany Lions are favored by 15. That seems like a little much for me. I know that, you know, Iowa kind of has the offense thing going on, but that just seems like a little much for me. But it is what it is. Uh, current win streak, Iowa actually has won the past two meetings in 2020 and 2021. And unfortunately, Iowa does have some players out in this game. Luke Lachey, the tight end, he is out for the season. And then they have two running backs, Caleb Johnson. And then, oh, I meant to ask you about this game. Juzon Patterson. Jazoon. Jazoon. Okay, sorry. I'm terrible with names. I always nah, get them man, wrong. It, it, I learned that recently. Yeah, right. I did TikTok for a while, and people would tell me, like, oh, dude, you're getting his name wrong. It's like, well, you know who I'm talking about. That's all that matters. So. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, how so. many Jazoons do you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man! Well, hey Connor, as the as the Hawkeye fan here, let's start off with you. Um, oh, I have the wrong question written down here. Same question as before. What are some matchups do you think will be the most pivotal factor in who wins this game? 
Uh, listen, man, uh, you said it best. We have some guys out this week, and you hate to see that going into this, especially facing such a talented defense in Penn State. I don't know what specifically they're ranked right now, but they, they do a good job. They, they close it down hard, especially in the past game. And that's something that we've really struggled. So a pivotal matchup for me is it's going to sound pretty vanilla here, but I really think it's going to be our offensive line, something that's struggled the last year or so versus Chop Robinson and, and, and co. These guys who haven't really been able to, to pressure the quarterback as much as they've been willing to throughout the year. I, I was I had a podcast with the, the Penn State guys earlier, and they were mentioning to me how uh, how they felt that their DNs and the guys that they were expecting and relying on hadn't done a whole lot, at least on the stat sheet. So that's my pivotal factor. I think our offensive line, getting the run game going, especially with running backs out. We're going to have to use a committee there. That's what it's going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I wasn't crazy impressed with Penn State last week. I know they were away, and Illinois is a good defense, but Alar was under 50% completion rating. The running backs weren't rushing well. And I'm taking Phil Parker's defense over an Illinois defense. They are home, but I think Iowa keeps it close. I think Penn State pulls out at the end. But, yeah, matchup-wise, I'm going to go with just Phil Parker versus Alar. I mean, Alar's a new quarterback. He's got he's to sling it. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would go if uh, – I'm going to go kind of chalk here. If this were um, – if this were in Iowa, right, I would say Hawkeyes all day, every day. They just have that way of taming any, uh, you know, proverbial lion, or in this case, real lion, Nittany lion, uh, if they come to uh, to Connecticut at night, especially night game. Um, I will say the the Penn State on a wideout, uh, good defense. We didn't have a, always, always have a good front seven. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough on Iowa to move the ball. I realize they've under, they've gotten better. It looks like, but you look, I mean, is that that much better? Their quarterback, look at it. I mean, 417 yards, Cade McNamara, 53% completion percentage, 5.9 yards in attempt, like four touchdowns, three picks. <laughs> And been sacked six times. That sounds like old Iowa, even though, <laughs> even though, um, you know, some of the box scores have looked better. So uh, I think that because of that front seven, it's just going to be a tough night trying to uh, exploit any weaknesses in that Penn State defense. Although, again, if it were in Iowa, I'd say all bets were out the window. They'd win the game 14-13. <laughs> that's how it goes <laughs> phil parker and kirk ferentz are just loving that uh score line that you gave them right now so i think they led like seven to six better but you know they'll deal with that so they've won six to four against penn state don't forget I, that <laughs> my favorite score of all time was when they beat south dakota seven to three and it's like oh you, sco- you scored a touchdown and it's like no it was two safeties and a field goal <laughs> yeah and I was there for that game, man. It was oh, yeah. it was part on the eyes. It oh, I'm sure. On the eyes. I'm sure. Oh man! All right, uh, Connor. Let's go ahead. Let's get your score prediction on this one. How do you think the game plays out? 
I know everyone uh, and, and their brother is probably looking at the uh, opening lines here. I think it's at the Nitty lines are at minus 15 right now. And uh, if you're a gambling man or you're not, it doesn't matter. This is one of the toughest environments you can go into as a whiteout. I know it sounds crazy and it sounds beyond far-fetched. I've watched Cade McNamara and Eric all go into this before and win. I got him doing it again. I'm biased. I'm crazy. I know I'm weird. I have him in a low-scoring game, 21-13. to 13. That's my score prediction. I'm going to go with Penn State 24-14. They pull away at the end. I just think Iowa's defense is going to be on the field too much. Um, but who knows if that defense can get them some points. Anything could happen. That's kind of how we operate, man. I, I'll, I'll take 23-10 Penn State. Um late score to put it away. Uh, I do think Iowa will cause problems on defense. And Kirk Ferentz heard you say low scoring game. And he was like, and then you said 13, 21. He was like, low scoring. Yeah. (laughs) Got to be in a shootout. What's this? He's not about that. (laughs) It's like, what do we do? Just give up on defense? Giving up (laughs) 13. Oh, two field goals. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think you guys are, are on point. I can't, I can't imagine in this game, if Iowa has a chance at winning, I can't imagine that Penn, Store, Penn State will score more than 20 points. I think that is their biggest key to the, to the victory is, is mm-hmm. for that to happen. But, um, but you know, I think that Drew Aller has a real test in front of him. He has everything on his side. He has the wide out. He has everything going on, but I really, I really am concerned about Penn state's offensive line. I think that Penn state came into this year with a lot of hype about the pass blocking, not too sure about the run blocking, but figured, you know, you have the good enough running backs to be able to make it happen still. And to me, the pass blocking just hasn't been there. You know, Olu Fashano, again, I'm terrible with names, but you know who I'm talking about the tackle who many are projecting as a first round pick man he's been getting eaten alive a little bit you know some guys have just bull rushed him pushed him back and and drew aller's been running around for his life so if drew aller gets skittish there at the beginning and starts to get nervous we could see his first pick of the season uh for iowa and knowing iowa and how they think about their offense you know they could say hey we got to make this score and we got to get it done right so i'm i'm thinking cooper DeGene needs to get a pick in this game i'm thinking they got to get pressure on Drew Aller if they have a chance to win. Ultimately, I'm sorry, Connor. I don't see it happening. I feel like Penn State's probably going to win. I like a realist, man. I'm I sorry. like a realist. I'm doing my best to help you out here. Uh, no, those no, are the I keys for him to win. Good, uh, but yeah, I think, I think Penn State probably wins this 127 to 10. So just my take, but... All right, guys. Hey, before we get out of here, I just want to hit on this really fast because it was some news from the day. Uh, promotion and relegation. So if you have been on college football Twitter for any time. You've seen people talk about this when it comes to conference realignment. And we have some more conference realignment news. The Pac-2, Oregon State, Washington State are looking at merging with the Mountain West. So originally people thought, well, maybe they'll take six or eight teams from the Mountain West and create the Pac-10 again or the Pac-8 or something like that. But no, it looks like the the Pac-2 are looking to merge with the Mountain West. And in order to create some kind of suspense in what's going on, the idea has been brought up to several Mountain West athletic directors and uh, administrators about 
promotion and relegation. And they haven't turned it down. They've actually been kind of talking about the idea. And when one group of five, so this they don't say who it was, but when one group of five athletic director was act, asked about promotion and relegation, here's what he said. He said, it's kind of brilliant. The reason it wouldn't happen is that people wouldn't enter into something if they have the risk of losing something big, like relegation. But the economics could make sense. So I don't really know how the economics make sense. Uh, Ross Dellinger went into it a little bit on Yahoo.com to talk about it. But I do think that it is a novel idea. And I'd like to know from you guys, what are your thoughts on promotion relegate promotion and relegation in the Big Ten? Because the Big Ten is going to have 18 teams in it next year. Is that something that the conference could look at doing with the expanded Big Ten? Could you ever see it happening? Johnny, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts? You know, it's a cool ideal for a desperate place like the Pac-12. You know, if there's like, how do we generate some sort of interest? It's kind of like a 12-team playoff. It's not going to change anything. You're just hoping people are more interested, right? It's, um, you know, do you really need to see Tulane play Alabama to know who's better and who's going to win that matchup? You know, it, but when you go and you go, out west, it's cool. It's a cool idea to say which group of five are good enough to come up and play into the you know the power five. But the problem with that is it's it's like you're admitting you're lesser. It's like the Pac-12 was a joke. Ha ha ha. You know, I always thought they were disrespected, but they weren't elite for any by any means. Um, in the Big Ten, you know, you can't do that. I don't think you can use a system. To where that, uh, where you're going to play teams up and down into different like consolation divisions, uh, especially because I don't see how that protects your cash cows. It seems like it would ha- make you play the other like real only good schools, and you can't like catch your breath with a Purdue now and then. You're like, oh man, everybody's banged up. Whoa, we got Purdue and Rutgers. You know, if it plays that out, I don't see how this could continue. With a conference of college football, you know how you do fix college uh, or uh, the Big Ten when it's expanded east to west. You just go north and south divisions. How cool would that be? You ha- how cool would that be? So you, instead of going east to west like we've always done, it generates the buzz again. Um, you have the crossover games. Uh, I think you'd have to probably blend it up a little bit. I think one of the LA schools would have to be in the north. One would have to be in the south. And um, it would be, you know, a little wonky like that. But uh, besides that, no, I, I just don't see a powerhouse program or conference like the Big Ten, you know, a top two conference doing that. Yeah, and there's a lot of pride in the Big Ten. So it would be difficult for, you know, a Michigan. It would be cool, though. Like, it would be, yeah, Michigan's having a down year. They're like, hey, man, you're down in the kiddie pool. Like, I, that, there would be something cool about it. There'd be some, that part would be cool. Johnny's dreaming about 2020 happening when relegation happens. So. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I, when you, I was like, that is best case scenario. You get a two win Michigan team and they have to go sit in the kiddie pool for a while. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Danny, I know you're a Notre Dame fan. So, you know, this whole conference talk, you're like, oh, peons and conferences. What is going on here? <laughs> uh, but I guess. From the outside looking in, um, would you ever want Notre Dame to join a conference if they were doing something like this? I know you probably don't want them to join a conference in general, but say, you know, 
say, say you have to or something, would you rather join a conference who's doing something like this, or would you rather join kind of the more traditional side of a conference? Yeah. So first off, I don't really care what Notre Dame does conference wise. They, if the playoff committee says, Hey, you got to join a conference. We got to join a conference, join the conference. If they say it's fine, then screw it. I don't really care, but I'm also not the one getting the money. I see why they do it. So I don't really give a shit either way. (laughs) But at the same time, I would rather join a traditional conference and going off the promotion relegation thing. I wouldn't want Notre Dame to join that just because I don't think I don't think a conference like the Big Ten would ever do that. That's why. That's not true. Um, No, but I don't think a a conference like the Big Ten would ever do that because you're just going to lose monetary value with those big teams like USC. They have an off year. You don't want to. You want them in it for the big games, right? So I don't think that would ever happen. Um, And yeah, for Notre Dame, I don't really give a shit what they do. I just want to keep the rivalry games that we have, and those are in the Big Ten. So if we're going to join a conference, join the Big Ten. Notre Dame has a lot to say about the ACC and uh, who goes in there. I've always been kind of surprised by that. but you know. Yeah, and then they were like, we're not going into the ACC. And it's like, why are you guys <laughs> listening to Notre Dame? <laughs> I feel like they should just like give them a rain check every time. Like, uh, we're not interested. Rain check. We'll meet you for the next meeting. But right, for sure. whatever. That That's not how they operate. So they, they, I don't they, know how it it's, works. It's it's the hot girl friend zoning people, you know. That's <laughs> right, a hundred percent, man. I love right, it. it's like COVID. It's like, oh, we need to join a conference, and AC's like, come on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. My boyfriend broke up with me. Oh, come <laughs> on, I'll make you feel better. Yeah. Okay, but only until I feel better. Hundred <laughs> percent. Not All that right. that has ever happened to me. I'm just, I was, just <laughs> somebody <laughs> told me that's how it goes. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, Connor, finish this out here with your thoughts on conference relegation, promotion, that kind of stuff. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? I'll keep it short and sweet, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna uh, just be a, a mime here. And then, or, sorry, not a mime, but just mimic here. But I, whatever Johnny said, I, I'm fully interested in, man. I totally agree. I think that it is a complete a desperation move for a Pac-12 to be doing something like this. As far as the Big Ten, I don't see as much of a need for it. Um, I'd be interested to see some of these these less winning schools, like for say Northwestern and uh, Rutgers is having a great year. I don't mean to discredit them, but them as a whole, like the schools like that, kind of. I'd like to see how that moves. But the North South thing, man, you got me listening there. So I, I like that idea a lot, and I, I'd be really interested to see something migrate towards that. As opposed, so. I, I kind of like the idea of no sides. Hey, I think we're moving like that. It, yeah, it would just probably wonder how you'd like the Big 12 did it, but they, you know, limited teams. How do you choose your rotation? Right. But yeah. You you're not even going to, but you can maybe do it because now you can't even play everybody in your division if the conference exactly. gets so big. Exactly. You know, yeah. And no, I mean, I, they could easily. They could easily figure out a rotation for that. For sure. And I, I do think conference championships should be the top two teams. First of all, it's going to bring the big yes. time. But, but they've established that, I think, already. Right. It's going to be the top I, two teams. I, that is – I agree. I hate geography defining um, – Give us a chance, man. Defining. Yeah, listen. <laughs> it's if, 
if Ohio State and Iowa are the best two, they should get to play. If Iowa and Wisconsin are the best two, they should get to play. Like, right. it's ran through the East for a long time, but yes. give everybody else the chance. You know what I mean? And, and again, if with uh, – it's just going to be awesome. I want to see, like – the classic battle instead of Iowa Wisconsin for the East Trophy. I, w- I am intrigued, like the classic battle of Iowa and USC for the the East. You know, that's just cool stuff. <laughs> that would be electric, that would man. be sick. Hey, I'm here for the. You guys have YouTube TV where it does like the multi view oh, now and stuff. That. Yeah, I am all for if Big Ten can get Florida State and Clemson, and then I have the multi view of Big Ten games going on. I've got like Minnesota and Wisconsin and like a snowing game, and then I've got like UCLA and USC playing oh, the Rose yeah. Bowl, the sun setting, and then I have Florida State and Penn State playing like you know uh, down south where it's sunny and shiny, and then you have like Northwestern and Rutgers playing where it's like it's not snowing but it's dark and rainy and gross like that. To me, would just like describe the Big Ten you, perfectly. You just painted season, like a symphony. That was <laughs> for real. That was. Electric, is this being man. recorded? Oh yeah. And Jr's going straight to the top when this goes viral. <laughs> I just got juiced, man. I am. Hey, we'll, we'll turn into a my, TikTok. A tear in my eye, a little bit. Yeah, for real. <laughs> could oh, you imagine? Man. Could you imagine if? Uh, I think your brain would bleed if it was like a night game in Kinnick and a whiteout uh, on the oh, same. You know, wouldn't be able to like I think it would just be, yeah, like in Iowa and Nebraska at Iowa at night, and then Penn State, oh, Ohio State at a white like. Oh well, you could have like you could have the. You could have the Penn State whiteout in one corner. You could have the Purdue blackout in another corner. You could have Iowa doing some kind of like yellow light show or something like that. I don't know. Do they do anything like that, Connor? Uh, they like to do a lot of black and yellow straight kind of Black stuff. and yellow. But I knew uh, Michigan just got brand new like lights, yellow light yeah. and blue lights and stuff. So, man, if we no could Wi-Fi, have, like... but they have lights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Wi-Fi is coming. All right. Yeah. yeah real quick, GSC Notre Dame's got a light show coming this weekend, all green. And they're handing the wristbands. Wow. Re- that's as I you know I, I would have loved to uh meet up with you too and shake your hand and stuff. I I uh I I wanted to go to this game. It's not going to work out, but I would I do want to get to like all hate aside. I mean Ohio State's going to uh throw you down and hurt you real bad in a couple of days, but I do respect the program that Notre Dame is. I think they get a bad rap and they get the, you know, the the people who aren't in the arena screaming they can't win the big one i'm like well they get to show up for it more than most other yeah, people get agreed to do, so. and it's a new regime brian kelly can't win the big one we see that down at lsu don't we yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they talk yourself man there you go. There you go. All right, guys. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast here. Really appreciate having you guys. Uh, a lot of fun. You guys are welcome back anytime. Before we head out of here, just remember, Big Banter Sports. Go to BigBanterSports.com. Follow us on social media, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Rumble, like I said, uh, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. Go follow the Big Ten Huddle. We would love to have you there. Uh, we are going to be back for a week four recap. So we'll either have uh, some really sad Ohio State fans, have some really happy Ohio State fans. It'll be awesome. We'll see what we have coming up. Uh, always love those shows. So, hey, guys, thanks so much for coming on, and thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Have a great night. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks man. Home. See you yep. guys.